This morning we're continuing our series on reforesting our faith. We're looking at trees in the Bible and, and learning lessons from them about how we can live better, live closer, be more Christ-like. We're coming today to the fig tree. I have some emotions about the fig trees. My grandparents lived in Shreveport, Louisiana, and I used to go visit them when I was a little kid, and they had this giant fig tree in the backyard. <clears throat> At least when I was four years old, it was giant. Some things I've gone back to from my childhood, they, they're not as big now as they were then. So I really don't know how big the fig tree was. I just know it was really big to me when I was a little kid. The leaves on a fig tree are large, and the fruit is a little weird. I remember as a kid, we'd be standing in the backyard at my grandparents' house, and the adults would bend down and pick up a fig off the ground, brush it off, and eat it. And all I'm thinking as a little kid is, if I tried that, I'd be in trouble. Because you don't pick things up off the ground and put them in your mouth. I mean, that's the rule, right? I knew the rule. And they were just picking these, and, and they would bite into the fig and hold it out and say, do you want one? You ever really looked at a fresh fig? Yeah, you don't want it. So I come to the fig tree with some emotion attached to it, and I finally ate a fig from my grandparents' fig tree, and it was really good. <laughs> and then I started, well, anyway, we come to the fig tree, and the passage we're coming to today, I'm just going to tell you up front, it's got problems, all right? A spoiler alert, this doesn't end well for the tree. It's a figless fig tree. And it not only doesn't end well for the tree, I'm going to tell you up front, Jesus doesn't look all that Christ-like in this story. And we're just going to have to deal with this. I wish I could give you some great explanation to explain his behavior away, but I can't. We're just going to have to accept it, which is not bad, actually. I learned something great from, from my wife a few months ago, I don't know, a year ago, and, and she read it someplace. I don't know the original source on this, but it, it said that in today's society, we often put ourselves in the wrong chair. So something occurs in our culture and we immediately want to sit in the judge's chair and say, that's wrong, and slam our gavel down. Or we want to sit in the jury box. We'll hear all the evidence, and then we'll decide what we really decided when we read the headline. That is, we either liked or didn't like it, we're upset about it, or we don't think anyone should be upset about it. Or we'll put ourselves in the seat of the prosecuting attorney and we'll argue our case, or the defense attorney and we'll argue and what I learned from my wife was this. The vast majority of times, we simply need to sit in the witness stand. We need to go sit in the chair of the witness and say, this is what I saw. I'm not saying it was right or wrong. I don't know all the details. I don't know enough to pass judgment. The scripture is very clear that, you know, why are you judging? That's God's, uh, God's place to do alone. And, and what I'm saying to you is this will work. <laughs> this will really help you in a variety of things in your life. It'll help you in family relationships. It will help you with other drivers on the highway. It will help you with people in the grocery store. If you'll just realize you really don't know all the circumstances and, 
And maybe that mom yelled at her kid because that kid needed yelling at. I mean, it may not have been, I don't know. I'm just, see, I'm going to get in trouble. And some of you are moving into the judge's chair. and We just need to sit in the witness stand and, and sit in that chair. And that's where we're going to have to stay today. Or we're going to end up judging Jesus for what he does in this story. We're looking at uh, Mark chapter 11. It's the story of the figless fig tree. And it's important to put this in context because this happens immediately after the triumphal entry into Jerusalem, or we call it Palm Sunday, where Jesus comes riding in and everybody's putting palm branches in front of him and they're shouting Hosanna and praise to the king. And, and he's getting all this wonderful adoration from the people. And the Bible says, just before the verse we're about to read, the Bible says that he went to the temple and he looked around and then he and his disciples went to Bethany. And I'm going to tell you up front, when he looked in the temple, he didn't like what he saw. So when he went to bed that night, he was upset. And everyone had been praising him, which was great, but he knew how the week was going to end and it wasn't going to end well. He was going to end up on the cross. And then he goes to the temple. He doesn't like what he sees. And that's where we pick the story up in Mark chapter 11, verse 12. The next day they were leaving Bethany. Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, he went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not in season for figs. And then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. He did what? He got mad at the fruit, at the tree? And, and for some reason, I, I think a good editor should have taken this sentence out. It wasn't time for the, I mean, it wasn't in season. Can we cover up what Jesus did? And the Bible doesn't cover up anything, right? And it's just out there. It starts by saying he got up that morning and he was hungry. Hunger can, can mess with you, especially if you're in kind of an emotional time or you're tired. It's a difficult time. I was on a trip one time. We're taking a bunch of teenagers on a, a mission trip. And, and you know the secret to having a good trip with teenagers is you need about a three to one ratio of sponsors to teenagers. Three sponsors for every teenager. All right. That's just a good rule of thumb. So I had all these adults who went with us on the trip. And, and there was one adult and she was a really nice person. And we went into a rest, restaurant. It was Wendy's, all right? We went into Wendy's. And I don't know if they even, do they still serve baked potatoes? At that time, Wendy's served baked potatoes. And this sponsor, her name was Inger, she wanted a baked potato. And she got up to order and she said, I want a baked potato. And the kid behind the counter said, we're out of baked potatoes. She was a really nice person normally, but she really wanted a baked potato. And it was like, I felt like I needed to go up to the kid afterwards and say, she's usually really nice, <laughs> but she really had her heart set on this baked potato. <laughs> and that's why you caught her 
disappointment. Let's go with that, all right? And, and I think that's what happened to Jesus. He's in this emotional state. He's come into the city. Everybody's praised him. And he, know, he knows those people who were saying, Hosanna, praise to the king, are going to be saying, crucify him, crucify him by the end of the week. And he goes to the temple. He doesn't like what he sees there. And then he gets up and he's hungry and there's a fig tree and it's got all these beautiful leaves. And he walks up to it and the fig tree didn't have figs. It is not unreasonable to think a fig tree should have figs. It's a fig tree. And he gets there and it's a figless fig tree. And he, he loses it. No one will let me. And Mark said, we... We heard him say it. And then they go into the temple. And they go in the temple, and this is the famous scene where Jesus is throwing the tables, turning the tables over and running people out and saying it's supposed to be a place of prayer and you've made it a den of thieves and it just got really ugly really fast. And quite often we... We read these stories and we say, we're not sure what's going on here. And that's because we're not sure what's going on here. And we just need to stay in the witness stand. And we need to stay in the safe place. And we need to say, we don't know exactly why this happened. And we're not going to become the defense attorney and explain it away. We're not going to be the prosecuting attorney and, and desert Jesus because of his actions. We're just going to say, here's what happened. And though, if anyone else had done it, we would say that's not Christ-like behavior. This is Jesus. So we have to say this was Christ-like behavior. We're just going to have to embrace this. Because then we come to the next day. And the next day tells us this. Jesus came out. And Jesus came out with his disciples. He came out of Bethany again. And the Bible says in verse 20, In the morning as they went along, they saw the fig tree withered from the roots. Peter remembered and said to Jesus, Rabbi, look, the fig tree you cursed has withered. This is the same Simon Peter who's going to be in a boat or had been in a boat and the water was coming in the boat and he was fearful for his life. And Jesus came and stood up and he said, peace be still. And the disciples were very grateful at that juncture that nature obeyed Jesus. At this juncture, they're a bit appalled that Jesus killed this fig tree. We're going to have to let Jesus be multifaceted. There's something we like to do, and that is we like to simplify our God. And we like to take our God and make him smaller and smaller until we can really comprehend him. And one of the things we do when we do that is we don't allow him to be multifaceted, and we don't allow him to contain any attributes that we're not comfortable with. Things like anger and judgment and cursing a fig tree. But this is what he did. And we would do well to let God be God and not redefine him. I, I read a book a number of years ago called My Imaginary Jesus. I'm not recommending the book, but it has a couple of good ideas. And in My Imaginary Jesus, everyone had their own Jesus. 
And so there were people that they had coffee shop Jesus, who was just always friendly and mellow. And, and, and then there was CrossFit Jesus, who's going to conquer the world. And, and there were all these different Jesuses that people had created. And, and I enjoyed it in part because I know that I've met so many people who've created their own Jesus. And I know there are times in my life I've created my own Jesus. And I know this for an absolute fact. We are not free to create our own Jesus. You can never say, well, my Jesus would... No. Jesus is Jesus and what he said and what he did has to stand on its own and we have to allow him to be the living God or we've made ourselves into the place of God and that is not a good thing to do. And so we come to the story of Jesus cursing the figlix fig tree and we're just going to have to figure out what we can learn from it and what we can observe from it and not judge Jesus for judging the fig tree because we're really... We're not free to do that. So he comes to the fig tree expecting to find figs, and he finds no figs. Years ago, and, and I think it was when one of our children was born, I, I, what, I'm, and I'm just confessing that I shouldn't have been as interested in the trees as I was, but I pulled up to a hospital parking lot, and I got out to go in, and I think it's when our daughter was born, so my firstborn child, and, and this guy's out pruning trees. And, and that was the first uh, tree pruner I knew, the first arborist I really knew uh, until I met Chris. And, and then I'm watching this guy trim the trees, and, and I'm living in the second house I've ever lived in in my life. And I'm trying to learn how to take care of it, and I know I don't know how to take care of the trees, and this guy knows his stuff on trees. So I stop and say... Tell me what you're doing and why you're doing it. And he's just clipping away and he tells me everything I've ever known. I, this is it. This is the one lesson I learned about trimming trees. And, and it was some great stuff and I've used it throughout my life. But one of the things I remember is there was a tree he had trimmed and a tree he had trimmed and a tree he had trimmed and an untrimmed tree that just looked ugly and scraggly and overgrown and then trimmed, trimmed. And I said, what I wanted to say was you missed one. But I thought I'd be a little more polite and just said, uh, why did you skip that one? Which would let him say, oh, thank you for pointing that out. I did. And I said, why did you skip that one? And he said, that tree's sick. It's dying. It's not worth my time. I'm not going to trim a tree that's just going to die on me. I've got better trees to trim. And I felt a little sympathy for the tree. It's like, could we at least try? I mean, maybe if we sprayed it with miracle Grow, that, that'll fix anything, won't it? But this guy who really knew trees said, no, I'm not, I'm not pruning that one. It's a great teaching in Scripture about how we're supposed to abide in Jesus and we abide in Him and, and He abides in us. His Spirit's alive in us. And the Bible says that whom the Lord loves, he chastens. Whom the Lord loves, he prunes. And the idea is this. If we're growing the way we need to be growing, and we're bearing the fruit we need to bear, he guides us and he molds us and he shapes us. Because that's what a good father does. A good father will discipline their children. We used to leave our kids with, uh, with grandparents and, and we'd go to pick them up and we'd say, well, how'd it go? And they would say, they were perfect. 
We, we knew our kids. They weren't perfect. Here's what happened. When you leave your kids with grandparents, the kids just get their way. Can I have ice cream before dinner? Yeah. Can I have more ice cream? Sure. Well, of course the kids behave perfect. You, you don't, they, they met no barriers. They just did whatever they wanted because you're the grandparent. Now I'm a grandparent. I get it. It's fun. My grandchildren are perfect. We don't have any problems with them at all because we give them everything. I've got photographs of my grandkids eating ice cream in my presence. It's just, yeah. I don't check with their parents. Goodness. Parents are going to have this nutrition and keep them healthy. And that's what a good parent does. The bad parents, the grandparents. And we sometimes try to make our Heavenly Father into our Heavenly Grandfather, and He will not become that. Not for the fruitless fig tree, and not for me, and not for you. And one of the ways that we can know that we have a good relationship with our Father is that we have times where we have to confess our sins to Him. Because he convicts us. He prunes us. He says, you don't have this in your life and it should be there. And you know it should be there. Or you've let this come into your heart and it shouldn't be there. And you need to deal with it. And that convicting power of the presence of God helps assure us that God is with us. And sometimes our concept of God, we've limited him so much that, that we think if we had things in our life and we feel bad about them, we feel convicted of them, we feel guilty about them before our God, that that's a bad sign. And I'm telling you, that's a good sign. Because the good father prunes the trees that are growing well and the trees that are bearing the kind of fruit he wants the trees to bear. He deals with them and he, he strengthens them and he takes out that which is bad and he puts in that which is good. That's what a good, good father does for us. Jesus encountered the Pharisees. He was trying to help them. And, and he said, they were, they were tithing, which was a good thing. They were giving their money away. And, but they were tithing off of the, the herbs in their garden. It'd be the equivalent of you saying, well, you know, I had to buy one, get one at Burger King. And so that burger's worth whatever. I count that as income. So I'll put an extra quarter in the offering box when I leave. And go, you know, okay, you know, that's okay. But boy, you're focusing on some pretty minor things. And Jesus said to them, you're, you're focusing on all these little things, but you're missing the big things like, like seeking justice and loving mercy, and walking humbly with your God. You're missing out on some of the really big things that really matter. And we need to pay attention to those things. When Jesus came to the fig tree, he expected to find figs. It wasn't a trick question. That's reasonable, isn't it? And when Jesus comes to someone who says, I'm a follower of the living God and I believe in the Holy Spirit and I believe the Spirit lives in me. He wants to see the fruit of the Spirit. Last week, if you came to church, you were surprised by Norton's pop quiz. At least I was. 
I want, he gave us a pop quiz over olives and olive trees. And I wanted to say, this wasn't on the reading list. I didn't know we were going to have a pop quiz. And, uh, it, and, and we had to answer it. Do you remember the questions? It was like, how many olives fit in a gallon jar? Or something? It was three questions. Here's what I remember. Three questions. And of the three, I got zero right. I'm really concerned about my grade for this summer semester. And I think some of you might be too. So, I've got a pop quiz for you today that will help raise your grade point average for the summer session. All right? So let's take a look at today's pop quiz. These 18 character attributes, nine of them are good, nine of them are bad. All right, let's start with an easy one. Uh, love. Is that a good or bad character trait? Huh? See, you're liking this quiz, aren't you? Yeah. Uh, hatred. Is that a good or bad character trait? How are you doing so far? All right. You're two for two. Actually, look through this list. It, it, they're all easy. Living life the way God wants us to live it is not, it's not some kind of super difficult test that we don't have enough knowledge to, to pass. It's, it's avoiding that which is obviously bad and doing that which is obviously good. I didn't write this list, by the way. The Apostle Paul did. And he wrote it down and he sent it to a church at Galatia. It's in the fifth chapter of the book of Galatians. The nine bad things, you know what those are called? You're getting the good ones. The good ones are the fruit of the Spirit. And the bad ones are works of the, works of the flesh. That's all this list is. It's a list of the works of the flesh and a list of the fruit of the Spirit. Bonus question. What does Jesus want us to have in our life? This is easier than the first test I gave you. I mean, this is pop quiz number two. Your, your GPA is just soaring right now, isn't it? In terms of knowledge. The, the trick is we don't get to put, you know, circles around the good things and X through the bad. God simply comes to us and he's going to look at us and he's going to expect to find like a fig on a fig tree, he's going to expect to find the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus in the people who call themselves the followers of Jesus. It's really this simple. And it's this important. We've got to have the right things in our life. A number of years ago, I was in our church parking lot and, uh, and folks were, were driving in and this guy pulls up in his car and, okay, and I'm just going to tell you, I moved out of the witness stand straight into the judge's stand. He gets out of the car and he walks up to me and I said, what are you driving? Like, it was just terrible. It was like, why would anyone be driving this vehicle? I said, Bob, what, what's going on? <laughs> the car was sort of blue in places and then different shades of blue in other places. And it was just terrible. And he grinned and he said, ah, I'm working undercover. It was a 
police officer with the Dallas Police Force. And he said, this is my undercover car. <laughs> well, it's a good one. I mean, no one's going to suspect that not only are they not going to suspect you're a Dallas police officer, they're not going to even assume that you have a job. I mean, what are you driving, Bob? And he just grinned and he said, here's what you need to know. He said, the guys at the police department garage that take care of all the cars, he said, they made this one especially for me. And he said, the chassis is incredible. The tires are brand new and they're made for handling and cornering. It's got all new shocks. And he said, the motor in that thing? He looked out at the street and he said, it can beat anything on the street out there. So Bob is an undercover officer. If he's ever in a position where he needs to get away from the bad guys in a hurry or catch up with them, that old, ugly, beat-up car could do it. Why? Because it had a great stereo? A beautiful paint job? No. You know those things really don't matter about a car, don't you? I mean, you can have all these great things about your car. It's, you know, it's the exact color you want. It's this beautiful leather interior and it's incredible stereo. And where do you drive it? A don't. It won't start. That's not a good car. We, we can't exalt that which shouldn't be exalted and think we're going to perform well. And we need to know what matters in our life. The Pharisees forgot. So they started tithing off the herbs in their garden. And if we're not careful, we'll get distracted. And we'll think that life at the end is going to be some kind of Bible trivia test. And we know more about, you know, where, what that verse means than, than you do. And, and that's not what it's about. Or we're going to think it's about how often I went to church. And, and that's not what it's about. We're going to think that, you know, if God smiles on me, then I'm going to have all these riches. And that's not what it's about. The Bible's very clear. You passed the pop quiz. I don't even have to ask. Every one of you scored perfectly on the pop quiz today. You got the nine good things and the nine bad things. The question that remains is, do you have those things in your heart and in your life? And are we living them out on a daily basis? I don't want this little fig tree in the Bible to have died in vain. And I want to learn the lesson from the fig tree the figless fig tree. And that is, if a fig tree should have figs, then a Christian should have the fruit of the Spirit of Jesus. Always. Let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for making what you desire in us so very clear. We thank you for telling us what you're looking for. We thank you for giving us a glimpse into Jesus as judge, even if we're uncomfortable with his judgment of the fig tree. Help us to let you be a multifaceted God and to understand that there are times that your word to us will be difficult to hear and you will take away from us things we want to hold on to or you'll make us pick up things we don't want to pick up. May we always do what you call us to do so that we will always be pleasing and acceptable in your sight so that at the end of it all we can hear Jesus as judge say well done good and faithful servant Amen